the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. The good, the bad, and the Boucherian. And folks, you're listening to the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. Um, I had to make a decision that was very strange um, for a lot of people who um, were who would you know try to think about my life in mm. you know yeah because I was like I was doing uh, medicine that's pretty public but now I was doing medicine at the time I was doing pretty well at it I I wasn't really struggling per se in medicine um of course it's a challenge to anyone who doesn't but i wouldn't say that i was struggling academically um so the decision to actually just leave it and pursue something else not because um that's a bad path to take um it's just that it wasn't right for me right yeah and, um de- deciding that still baffles a lot of people like um however passionate you are, there's a world you live in. And the world yes. has to, it has a transactional um, sort of relationship with you. So you have to, like the world has to value what you're doing as well to a certain degree to justify you doing it. Yes. You see what I'm saying? And yes. continually trying on it. Because there's people who've done like albums music-wise they probably done like 30 albums <laughs> and they're probably like no one cares you know what i'm saying yeah but there's someone who's done like maybe like two albums three albums and they're legends frank ocean you see what i'm saying had to do yeah. a name of my boy please drop an album but um <laughs> uh-huh. but what i'm saying also my personal experience on this is it's nuanced. It's a very loaded question. It's very nuanced. I'm saying that you still need hope. You still need passion. I'm not saying that you don't need those things, but you also need a certain level of objectivity mm. that comes from understanding all those factors I've talked about. Yeah. And when I'm and what I'm saying personally with my own story with something like film, which I do love still. I love film. I love um I do think that um quite like decently good at it i think i could be better if i invested more time um i have a proclivity for it for sure but part of the reason i'm not pursuing that as my main thing right now is because i did like this is actually one of the uh, when i'm talking about the best story of my entrepreneurship especially after medicine trying to find um my own path was I went really deep into film, just trying to understand something that I like, because I always felt like I'd done stuff like I didn't really enjoy. It's just that like stuff that was available to me. So for the first time in my life, I wanted to do something that I like and I enjoy and just try to go all in on it, right? So I, I, I did film for a while. And the thing about film was I actually, I spent like three months, right? I spent, I did a couple of short films. You guys can check them out on my socials. But um, after that, I spent a lot of time understanding the industry. Understanding the industry as a whole and in and in Africa in particular, understanding the market. What, what makes this a viable decision for me? Like if I do invest in this, does it make sense to pursue it? Or is it largely 
kind of futile? Is it flogging a dead horse for a passion? That's a good question. I actually really like the question, but this is the thing. Hope is intoxicating. It's your boy Billy back at it with another episode. Hope you guys are keeping well, keeping safe amidst the pandemic and things are going well on your side as they are on mine. Even as we close season two, as we almost clock our hundredth episode, I'm very excited. And today my guest in studio is Max Gituba, an entrepreneur, a founder of Acura Incorporated, a health tech startup, and an artist. So today, I told you guys in the previous episode, the next episodes running till my 100th episode will just be me and my friends just talking about their life experiences, how, where they are now, what they're doing now, especially seeing the growth of this podcast. Some of them are featured in earlier podcasts. So we're just going to be juxtaposing where their minds are at now vis-a-vis where they were when we're recording our episodes. So Max, talk to me. And congrats, congrats, 100, man, that's a lot. Ah, that's, that's great. That's almost like two years then, eh? bro. Yeah, which is crazy. That's Who'd have thought? Long time. Yeah, that's a long time. Bro. Yeah. And obviously, there's the good days, the bad days. So obviously, now just juxtaposing, like you guys were uh, literally my day ones from idea being conceptualized to gassing me up to do this thing, and now to it growing, and also now you guys as individuals growing in your own fields and spaces so that's why i wanted my closest people to hope on this podcast for this episodes to tell me a bit about what they're doing right now how life is taking them uh what 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 in these two years at least even from our episode 15 which we did about education system and whatnot and where we are now what are some of the things that for you have changed what are the things that have remained constant you know yeah Okay, so how is Max? Well. What is Max doing right now? What you know? Tell us about yeah. Max. Tell us about Max. Max, uh, as you know, is a man of many reinventions, many errors and phases. Was <laughs> always a purpose, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I tend to be passionate about many things, um, and I just um, I sort of grow pretty quickly i think and i develop um perspectives and um i tend to challenge my beliefs quite often just so i can try to find um the things that feel the best to me whether it's the most relevant the most impactful uh the most meaningful and yeah so i think that a huge defining thing for me over the past past couple of years um, is I've realized that um, I like to try things. I like to try things and I like to give them my all when I try things. And the most important thing um, for me has been the capacity to try things, to learn things really quickly. And if you are failing in things, um, make sure you fail in them very quickly and um, learn from those experiences and grow. Um, I like this, mm-hmm. um, this quote from Buffett. I can't quote him, obviously, like right now, 
but uh, Warren Buffett is one of the most um, successful uh, people on the planet um, in his field, which is venture capital. There's also like a hundred billionaires. So um, by any standard, you you would think very successful. But he says that, um, you know, in his field, which is uh, venture capital, no, it's not venture capital, but it's okay. It's he's a he's an investor, um, mm -hmm. one of the greatest investors of all time. So what he says is. Um, in his field, especially, um, you have to be very reflective of life. Um, and he takes a lot of risks, of course. And uh, risks um, have to be made um, or taken so that you have the potential of you know, having even more exponential rewards. Uh, but what he says, particularly, which is interesting to me, is that, OK, you can take the risks. You can, um, that's the first step, taking the risks. Uh, risking failure, that's the first barrier that I've really been working on over the past couple of years just to um, to get over my fear of failure personally and mm -hmm. just to and just to go and do things that I actually believe in and I actually um, things that I can I can really get behind, just not trying to listen to um, all the influences I have around me in a very subjective way. Um, I am very skeptical of mentors and, you know, advice from many people. I, I tend to challenge everything that all the information that's given to me and I compare all of it and, and siphon something um, real from that or something that feels true to me and that works for me because i think that uh, you know in all our stories that uh, we don't all have the same path mm. but as you go and and do that uh, even if you if you're going into something and it's not particularly working it takes courage to say that i have failed you know what i'm saying yeah. or mm. that this or this problem can't be solved or it's not going to be solved by me that's a different type of courage so, so th oh. that's very interesting actually now that you bring that all that up because i wanted to ask you mm -hmm. um i've known you all these years and now you're talking about your yeah. fear of failure for me which is very new yeah. because me knowing max and for the people who know max max is a go-getter mm -hmm. max bent have this fear of failure he's spoken about according to us from yeah. our lens so for me it's very interesting that you've talking, talked about that so please tell, tell us a bit more about that about this fear of failure that uh, yeah. the rest of us probably haven't seen that problem i haven't seen and um, yeah. how that journey has been for you and probably when you discover that yeah. you have this fear of failure because for me really knowing mm -hmm. you even guys in high school knowing you guys in primary you've always gone for the things you want and stood, stood up for the things you believe in and always been the person to go against the grain and always speak your mind despite all of us not being able to do that. So how, mm. how tell me about this fear of failure. Because for me, again, as I said, it's very novel. So talk to me about that. Well, I think that on a fundamental level, we are all to some degree afraid to fail. No one likes to fail, first of all. And mm. um, I'm one person among many, of course, who like to win. You see, you like to, everyone likes to win. 
right? You want to yeah. make uh, whatever choice you make, um, whatever choices you make, whether they're risky or not risky, you want to believe that you're making the right decision. Yeah. And um, when I say fear of failure on my part is that, yes, to some degree, I have been quite unafraid to do certain things um, throughout my life. Um, but I think that um, the older you grow, I'm not that old, but the older you grow, um, the higher the stakes are, obviously. So when you're in high school, you don't really, um, the, any decision you make in high school, you can change your mind in like a week and, um, or like in two weeks or, in, you know, it, it doesn't really affect that much. But when you start getting into adulthood, and you're making these huge decisions like your career, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Look how young we are. You know what I'm saying? Uh, as we were saying on episode 15, um, it's it's wild how, um, you know, a decision as huge as your career, which is your job for the rest of your working life or your adult life, is something people are made to choose at 18, right? Mm, yeah. And there's, there's, there's so much you don't know at 18. There's so much I didn't know what they did. There's so many possibilities that I wasn't exposed to. Um, mm. in the current in the system that we, you know, we uh, we were a part of. So I, I realized after that of growth is that um, culture is very. Um, it has a very strong effect on your behavior, on your beliefs what do you even think is possible? You see, if you don't have the awareness of what's out there, what's in the world, what's possible, who can I be? Um, you can't really make a decision that's best for you. So when I say fear of failure, I was talking about uh, in the sense that I I realized that I was in the matrix, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the so-called matrix of, you know, we have this 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 sort of um, belief system that we have follow all our lives, essentially. So, you know, um, the story goes, there's particular courses that we are encouraged to do, especially in Kenya, do those courses, get married, have the kids. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not going to comment on those right now. <laughs> I'm not at that level yet. But um, I would probably say on the side of the career and making that decision, um, I had to make a decision that was very strange um, for a lot of people who um, were who would you know try to think about my life in mm. you know yeah because I was like. I was doing uh, medicine, that's pretty public, but now I was doing medicine at the time. I was doing pretty well at it. I, I wasn't really struggling per se in medicine. Um, of course, it's a challenge to anyone who does it, but I wouldn't say that I was struggling academically. Um, so the decision to actually just leave it and pursue something else not because um that's a bad path to take um it's just that it wasn't right for me right yeah and, um de deciding that 
still baffles a lot of people. Like um, parents were first, but parents actually they got behind it and they understood that um, eventually that um, I'm much more effective in uh, and skilled in other things. And the, the way my mind works, um, it's probably primed better for things that aren't, you know, medicine. Uh, but what's interesting is it still baffles like people I meet like in school now, um, you know, I could tell someone um, we're having a conversation with um, a friend of mine from Ghana and um, she was literally so shocked that I left medicine to come to a mm-hmm. like, like that's, you know, that's a dream. Like, what's up? Yeah. But, um, yeah, but the more like I explain certain attributes um of myself personally and just the self-awareness that I've, uh, I've grown to have over the years and also the awareness um awareness of self is very important but um it's not as useful if you also don't have a general awareness of the world around you so you need a very broad um perspective as far as what's possible so that you can actually um objectively look at the best option for you and you, you can be happy be happy at the end of the day so yeah yeah i would say um yeah so in conclusion i the fear of failure did come in the sense that i felt like i was making these decisions and I, of course the the right decisions for me but i was largely doing them alone and i was largely doing them um I was I was plotting my own footsteps and not really following anyone's footsteps exactly. I was just trying to um, find what was best for me, and 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 I, it was hard, of course. But um, I came out the other side, and and I'm pretty happy with where I am right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, even with the, now the living medicine, I think, as we said, that's as I keep on telling you, you are very bold, and I keep on telling even when asking me always says. Mark is one of the boldest people, most courageous people I know. Because, for, <laughs> as you said, for us in our system and obviously being indoctrinated with this dogma of just go to school, get your A in KCPE, get your A in KCSE, do med, engineering, law, whatever, whatever. For someone to decide to break away from that, despite everyone, because obviously everyone knows you, you went to med, so everyone was excited, everyone knows you got your A, everyone is excited. And so all of us have a certain path we've built in our heads for Max. And for a lot of us, we live, someone said, we live in the prison of other people's thoughts and ideas of us. And for you to break away from that and decide, you know, me, I want to do my own thing. I'm going to do something that I enjoy, that I'm passionate about, that I, you know, that that I, I'll be, as you said, your Ghanaian friend was even asking, you're, you are living the dream. What's happening? And so for you, Again, with that decision, as you said, it was, it was probably definitely hard, but you didn't trust the hard part. So tell us about the hardness. For you, what was the hard bit about it? Because again, as I said, you've always been very steadfast with the things you believe in. So for you, what was the hard part of it, making this decision and actually going through with it? Because a lot of people always talk about dropping out, but none of them ever goes through. And then again, were you always firm with it? Or at some point, did you feel like, eh, 
let me just uh okay i've seen it's possible but eh, it, i didn't mean it this seriously so let me just go back so did you have any doubts and did you get any regrets do you even now feel regret that do you feel like ah, i should have just done the medicine and finished or are you absolutely completely happy with the decision you made because obviously again a lot of guys will tell you you know how you're privileged to do med a lot of guys would have wanted to do that blah 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 so for you how has all that been Mm, that's like a whole other question. I don't know how to start. But um, do I regret um the decision to leave medicine? No, I do not um regret it at all. Just because I I do believe that um the path that medicine was taking me on wasn't the best for me. Of course, I did make the decision to enter it in the first place under social pressures, you know. Mm. <laughs> no no gotta check about that. But um talk about the, it so we can know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean social pressure in the sense that you know um there's we're always held to the standard um of okay this actually this is an interesting thing that um so book I read recently on psychology. So apparently if we say something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we say something like, and we put it verbally, we are more compelled to feel an obligation to see it through. You see what I'm saying? So if yeah. you raise your entire life uh, being told, okay, these are the options you have in terms of career paths, and maybe you choose one and you say, okay, this is the one I want. I want to be the best neurosurgeon in the country. I want to cure cancer, this sort of way. And everyone is giving you uh, essentially validation and, and this positive, you know, um, feedback loop from all the things you say. So you feel compelled um, as you grow older to actually live up to some of those things. Mm. Um, when you know, you, you don't really actually have to. Like, I always am against um, putting myself in a box of my own creation. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I ask myself, um, um, this is actually one of the key things that, that helped me make my decision finally when I was doing medicine, was um, one of the key things I had to think about was, I pictured life as some kind of game on a chessboard, right? And I pictured myself as a piece on that board. And first of all, I felt like I was sort of being led and not really leading myself. I didn't feel like I had agency, um, despite the fact that they tell you like, okay, you're making these decisions. But um, when you're within the the grind when you're within the rat race when you with your mind is so focused on the next exam the next assignment the next word you don't really have time to um reflect and like disengage um yourself from that immediate thing and look at what you're doing you know you question yeah what, what's the value of the actions that i'm making what is this for so I'm seeing my path and I'm also trying to see the path of everyone around me mm-hmm. and um, who are, you know, obviously people in my class, ETC. And I realized that we all sort of want the same things, 
we all have the same plan. And that was a bit scary to me, um, just because I wanted to look at life and this important decision as an entire game. So I always ask myself, okay, what's the game? What's, is there a, a higher level of thinking I have to achieve to see if I fit in within this board? Is there, what's the larger, what's a bigger picture? What's the larger perspective? Um, what's everyone telling me? And why is that true? Or why isn't that true? You see, mm-hmm. it gets down to a lot of reflection and and just knowledge of yourself, of the world. And yeah, just having the courage to to, to, to stick with your voice. I would say that just um, a lot of people do have these impulses. A lot of people do feel these things. Um, and it could be, it doesn't have to just be in uni. It could be, you know, in your job um when you're you know following your career you could feel like you're sort of stagnant or you're not in the right place and we're all just trying to find um the right footing for ourselves uh depending on the goals you have in life of course and um yeah so that has to really play a part you have to know what's important to you so for me um the most important things would have to be you know family um Another thing would be, I do believe in, I'm a capitalist, I would have to say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm okay. a capitalist in the sense that I believe that um, capitalism is, I wouldn't say it's the only system that um, <laughs> that is, you know, valuable enough to be, you know, used by society. I would say that it's the one that's worked best so far and it's the one that's the most equitable even if it seems like um that that there's a lot of you know inequality nowadays with you know 200 billion dollar net worth individuals and you know people living on less than a dollar a day um generally for society it is a force for good. And, and that capital um, that can be accumulated hopefully can be um, you know, allocated in, in a better way. Maybe the creation of capital just probably just needs to be allocated in a better way so that, um, so that you can make the most impact. I think that that's also the second thing that would, would be the most important uh, for me would be okay, um, my family would be the first thing, but the second thing would be, okay, um, how can I have a real tangible impact um, on society and on the people around me and try to make a difference? And I know a lot of people say that, but I need to um, um, I need to also find the best vehicle that I can be that. And... Um, that's sort of what led me to my current path of um, entrepreneurship, because um, I think that's that's a re- entrepreneurship, um, venture capital, things like that are uh, probably the best vehicle to make change like that on on a scale that I want to achieve personally. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, with your decision, were you always firm? Um, 
was I always firm? I was pretty firm. You know me, I am for better or worse. <laughs> for better or worse. I mean, yeah, I don't think I'm not like hiding or anything um, from anyone. Um, it's definitely something I, I mean, talking about it all the time is, you know, <laughs> is any talking about anything all the time would be exhausting for anyone. But um, I don't find it exhausting in the sense that, um, you know, I think that everyone should really just claim their journeys and um, mm -hmm. understand that, you know, that journey really does play a huge role in forming the person you are now. And hopefully that person is, you know, at a higher level than what you were at the beginning of your journey. So, yeah, so that's, that's, I'm just privileged that I have a lot of support, especially from my parents um, who are great. Yeah. So again, obviously, later I'll ask you about talking to me about how it is like to have very supportive parents. Because again, I think in the episode sometimes we've talked about parents who are not supportive. So it's it's mm. nice to listen to parents who are actually very supportive of their children's ventures and their dreams. So before mm. I ask you that though, I want to ask you mm. a bit about um uh about now when you met school, you realize that a lot of us have the same plan. I remember us having this conversation also. And yeah. just um like I'll just even give the listeners like an example of probably like just use myself, like in the case where obviously I'm doing law, a lot of us you just think in the trajectory of okay, finish law school, get um such own law firm or become a prosecutor or enter into the judiciary. ETC, ETC. So a lot of us have the same plan. But unfortunately, yeah. like you've said, in a capitalistic world, all yeah sip through and make it big if you all have the same plan so for you at what point did you realize that oh damn that you and your classmates all have the same plan and you want to be different and and distinguish yourself from this plan that everyone else purports to seem to have and have it as if they they they, they are so sure that this plan of theirs will work you know yeah question just to understand you um would it be when is it when or how was it both both um, when and how do you come to this realization that damn i think we're moving from the specialist um you know kind of trend that happened over the past two days we're moving into a more general area where people really need to have a lot of um, different skills in different fields and be able to combine them in new ways so that, um, you know, they can come up with new ideas, new ways to solve problems, uh, new opportunities, new ways to create value. And I mean, it's, it's not a hard thing to do. Like literally the first step is um, just start to look for um, sources of education. Education is a, is largely a self-directed thing. And look for sources of education that are democratized. Nowadays, you have access to so much as far as um, education. You don't really have to be simply a part of your school. You can do that, yes, get your degree, um, if that's your path. But you can also additionally focus on um, adding different skills via 
so many different pathways uh, online, um, you know, try projects, fail in them, you know, try other projects, do what's interesting to you, pursue it with passion, uh, you know, keep learning different skills to, and, you know, as you go on, you find that you've actually like gained so much and you wouldn't even like understand how qualified you become and what kind of opportunities and doors open for you as you go on. And yeah, so that would be my advice on that. So with that, again, how would you, what would you advise someone who, because I think the podcast talked about yourself being someone who likes to try many things and, uh, challenge yourself quite often so yeah. what would you be adv- your advice for someone who probably is succeeding in the current system yeah. uh, but as you said the world is moving to a place where obviously having multiple skill sets gives you a better edge than everyone yeah. else and yeah. also someone who is very in their comfort zone so if it's billy for example let's say billy just wants to do this law thing and not mm-hmm. diversify yet as mm-hmm. rightly put it, the market that we're going into would need a Billy who probably is into law, can also do a bit of tech, can also do a bit of podcasting, can also do etc. etc. So what mm-hmm. would you tell someone like that? Um, okay, so with the first question, the people who um the successful people um within the courses or whatever. Um yeah, so this would be within the courses or schools, that's what you mean, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, what I would say about that is um, often, at least many people don't um, probably think about it like that, but often people don't realize that uh, the success you you have within it is probably world within your uni, the construct of your uni or yeah. the institution mm-hmm. you're part of. Um, so first of all, it depends on what career you're pursuing. Cause um, um, if you're doing something like um, like like medicine, um, medicine has a very high barrier of entry. Computer science has a low barrier of entry. Law also has a low barrier of entry, but they all are different in the sense that computer science. A lot of times, you find that just because um, it can be done remotely and there's certain ways to do stuff like new code development or, you know, there's just a lot, it's a lot easier to make an app or a website than it was like 10 years ago, right? So if you're doing something like computer science, you better know that you're competing with people globally. So it's, it's you have to understand the, the actual variables of, of the things that define the path you're taking. So if you're doing computer science and okay, and you're like, okay, like I'm killing it computer science, but you're killing it within the context of your school, you're not understanding mm-hmm. how the market works because computer science, you're competing globally because a lot of these jobs are also done remotely. Um, it's an easier, you're competing with people on a global scale. On, on law, for instance, mm-hmm. you're competing more on a national scale, right? Um, just because you're competing, because there's many law schools, it has a low barrier of entry in the sense that any uni can basically start a law program very easily, right? That's why there's a lot of law schools. But um, within that construct, if you can objectively say that um, 
for some justifiable I can prove within the job market I am better than all these other guys nationally or globally then yeah then um, mm. then you should keep doing what you're doing but most people can't do that because it's like impossible to do if if you ask uh-huh. me, a very hard problem I don't know how I would solve it personally so it's a matter of perspective in that sense so yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't not you shouldn't be successful in the career path the degree uh, pathway but you should also have an awareness that um there are dynamics working outside your control so there's things you can control things outside your control you need to be aware of, of, of both at all times um what's the second question uh it was just uh <laughs> i've forgotten no it's just about um the moving from uh, specialist to generalist i think you've covered a lot of it but like again how do you acquire because i was talking to i was in an episode as well and talking with joram and mm. i just think how for him for example in school they mm. have various programs that can like for example like you see how he talks to us and tells us he's done fencing he's done boxing he's done Okay, no, 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 she's in boxing, but he has a gym class. He has, you know, <laughs> languages. So, for someone in mm-hmm. our system, as well in this side of the world, how would that mm-hmm. look like to develop um, these uh, skill sets? As well, mm-hmm. if I'm coming from a disadvantaged background where I can't probably afford Udemy and you know the courses, what would you advise? So, I think that. First of all, on the disadvantaged um, question, I think that the the if you really want something, of course, now this might seem like you know, I'm in my own bubble, but if you really want something <laughs> and it means a lot to you, um, you know, Coursera is what like thirty nine dollars a month. I don't know if they have any. Um, they might have um, this. They might have. Uh, programs for scholarships like a lot of these online um schools they do mm-hmm. have um scholarship options or there's actually free courses that you can probably find online if you look hard enough um it's just a it's a question of do you how much do you want to do it do you have the knowledge that this is something that's actually necessary for you to pursue because i think that a lot of people don't have the knowledge that um this is something that can be done um and this is something that's out there and literally like the barriers of me getting to where I want to be aren't as high as i think they are you know what i'm saying like you can on Coursera you can have classes and certificates from Harvard or Yale you don't have to go to Harvard or Yale you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah so the barriers of entry are the lowest they've ever been that's what i'm saying so yeah the, you have the ability to access all these things if you really want to to do them you know what i'm saying yeah 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 so on the second question on um outside looking in has this uh this as a have the decisions i've made is that the question like yeah <laughs> yeah outside looking in have the decisions i've made um been you know like what like beneficial to me but, mm-hmm. 
I think that and worthwhile, in, uh-huh. and worthwhile in my context, in the context of me and my own personal goals. Yes, you see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. as I said, um, I can't give you. I don't believe in giving people like a very specific um, set of things to do that might have worked for me, but might not work for them. So I say for me in the very um, specific set of conditions that I had, and uh, probably I might have had more um, more of an opportunity to do it just because, you know, my parents might have been able to support me to some degree. Um, there's a lot of factors at play that, that, that um, really made me have the ability to make that decision. So my journey was um was basically suited for me. So if has it worked for me, is it worthwhile? Yes, it's hundred percent worthwhile for me, in short. Mm-hmm. But the my advice on that would be just know yourself, be self-aware of your position. Um, the conditions around you and just start to understand what's the best possible decision I can make with the cards I've been dealt. That's what I always ask myself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and also with that, again, talk to me about, we talked even in the podcast, you talked about you having many errors. And I want yeah. to ask you about uh, your current error. What is your current error about? What is Max about in this very moment but as well as you when you as you answer that as the other question would be just in line with that is so for you one of at least i know with anything you decide to do the one thing that it always boils down to is you trying to make a deep positive difference for the poor around you and your society so even yeah. when you went at med i remember even when we talk about med for the longest time you talk mm-hmm. about how you'd want to change uh society you'd want to impact people you know, I think mm-hmm. that was one of your reasons for wanting to enter med where you at some point wanted to do neuroscience, wanted to delve into a bit of research to find cure for cancer and all of that. So for you, at least one, if there's one person I know always wants to make a difference, you're one of those people. Mm-hmm. So for you, what is this difference you want to make at this moment? What mm-hmm. is the difference you are making this moment? And for you, what is the end goal for you? What difference do you want to make in the long run apart from the general you know like do better for your people you see the way mm. in med when you wanted to do was it become an oncologist it was to yeah. uh, better healthcare in terms of cancer and whatnot so for you what would be the difference for you for max now mm-hmm. obviously we can we'll record a podcast probably in two years and you'll come and tell me how things have changed <laughs> but for now what mm. is <laughs> Yeah, no pressure on that. <laughs> but yeah, no uh, what's what's the current max era? The, the current max era is um a much more um invested in uh, my entrepreneurial journey. So I'm thinking about um basically how can I um upskill myself to the degree where um I can actually make the difference that I want to make. So for me i'm doing that via pursuing um the entrepreneurial path because i feel like um being an entrepreneur and understanding especially in the tech space and why i chose the tech space which was weird because 
uh, I never thought I was like a tech person <laughs> because we're conditioned when we're in like high school to believe like a tech person, this guy's to do computer science. And even the guys yeah. are computer science, they, I mean, not computer science, but computer studies. But those guys don't even code, like they're just doing the most boring, basic, <laughs> nonsensical waste of time things. Like, okay, like this is how I use Excel, a spreadsheet. That's cool and whatever, but that's not really like tech. We weren't into like um, technology is the ultimate democratization of opportunity in our day and age. Mm-hmm. So um, there's this interesting thing actually from um, this author called Naval Ramincant or something. I don't know, but I don't know the second name, but like there's an interesting idea he proposes where he says that every generation's wealth is... Um, is defined by leverage. How can you um, accumulate leverage and use it to um, get wealth? And wealth, what is wealth, first of all? Because we're not even taught what is wealth. Wealth is, and how to develop it, because we're all chasing money and the biggest jobs with the biggest um, uh, paychecks so that you know that I make you know 10 million per month. But is that really wealth? Is that really what you want? to pursue um, or what is this idea of wealth really and why is it better than riches? But when we're talking about wealth in this case, it's do you have equity in something? Do you own something that um, can grow exponentially over time in value? You see what I'm saying? That's why Elon Musk is paid like like $0 a year from Tesla and he's still the richest man in the world. And how is that possible? It's because he's paid in terms of in terms of equity, in terms of stock. See all these CEOs, um, what happens and all the people who get, like most of the people who get rich, if not all, they, they own something. They own part of something that can provide enough value to enough people that it can grow over time very quickly and exponentially um grow your own equity within it so that's how wealth works and how wealth is created um uh-huh. in our day and age especially is um through accumulation of leverage so in the in the past this leverage was mostly um accumulated via capital so someone like warren buffett why he's so rich over time is because he was able to convince enough people that i'm a really good investor and uh, you should give me your money and I will actually go do the work, honestly make the best you know, possible investments on your behalf and make you wealthier. You see, that was yeah. the leverage you had back in the day. Now, leverage is different. Leverage is defined by um, sort of the things or products um, that sort of have minimal cost of distribution or a marginal cost of distribution. So what does that mean? You need to create things that um, can scale very easily and very quickly. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. how do you do that? Um, a lot of these new fortunes are coming up via media and code, right? Um, so mm-hmm. on on media on the media side you see people like mr beast um like the most like i i'm a huge fan of mr beast 
um, just because he's a genius. Like if you actually listen to his like interviews, see how he actually goes about constructing his YouTube channel. See how he goes and, and constructs this thing that seems like, you know, it, it doesn't seem like something you can break down to that degree. But this is someone who is literally understanding everything from uh, a title like this will have this effect on the audience, a thumbnail like this will have an, this effect on the audience. Making the video twice as you know better will create 10x as far as viewership goes. This is what YouTube wants. This is what my audience wants. This is how I can provide the best piece of content, the best video for them in a very scientific way um that that actually would create the most value for my audience but also the most um you know value for my company as their you know as a ceo of this entire empire that he's building so if you actually look at mr beast this guy you know someone wanted to um, buy his channel for a billion dollars he would have been a billionaire right now like the yeah. first youtube billionaire but he decided not to do it because he's a smart guy. This guy is like a year or two older than us, by the way. Like, he's not that really? old. Uh -huh. old. Yes. So this guy, he said he had the wisdom to be like, no, I'm not going to sell this for a billion dollars. I can actually leverage this platform of, of, uh, of constructed so um, meticulously over the years and I can create more value out of it so he made mr beast burger he made chocolate he's now understanding ways of uh using his audience uh and leveraging that in a way that can compound value exponentially over time essentially and okay. that's how he's become like super wealthy he'll definitely become a billionaire that's that's a hundred percent if he just keeps going on his trajectory hundred percent I don't I have no doubt in my mind he'll be a billionaire. Right? Uh, um part of the reason he has that ability, as I said, is because media also we can talk about Joe Rogan, um, just as a side note, Joe Rogan with his podcast, hundred million dollars purchased by Spotify. But why these um channels are so important are just because um media is something that has a marginal cost of distribution, like it doesn't cost you anything to reach from, you know, like a 10 people to a thousand people. You see, like yeah. the distribution is basically free. So you have infinite, you know, opportunity within media. If you can construct your strategy well enough, you can actually create massive amounts of value. So that's the first way. The second way is through code. Why code? It's because um code is also something that um when you build a purely a pure software product it also has a marginal cost of distribution and right? you don't really need to pay to reach like more people essentially like you can replicate the exact same product over a larger and larger uh, audience with no cost of distribution and so what this means it it it, it gives a giant opportunity to um, people who can take advantage of those mediums um, because you essentially, because it has a marginal cost of distribution, it has a very low uh, 
entry, like barrier of entry into the, the fields, uh, so to speak. So what that means is that you don't actually need like a million dollars to start a YouTube channel or a podcast, yeah. uh, you know, or like code something that people want and love. Um, you would need a million dollars if you were opening, if you if you were building, a, you know, an apartment block. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But now you can make something that has marginal cost of distribution for a low amount of cash uh, or capital and create exponential value from that. And that's mm-hmm. really what uh, wealth is about. So I would say that the current Max era um, goes back to me trying to experiment, especially with those two ideas. So. Uh, tech is something that I believe is the ultimate democratization of uh, democratization of opportunity, in the sense that like anyone can be within tech. You don't even have to be like a code. I imagine like there's non-tech rules within tech. You can be a UX yeah. designer. You can be a UX designer. You can be a researcher. You can be um, what else can you be? I'm literally trying to think about this now. Products manager. I mean, there's certain roles that you can actually like be within tech um, that don't necessarily need you to code. Although coding would be great, trust me. Um, yeah. As you, as you do it, but that's not what we're like taught, especially like in the Kenyan education system. I can speak about Kenya. Is that there's this one path and this one thing you told that you should do or you can do. But there's so much outside it that we just we aren't told. Like we're not told anything about anything I've just said now about leverage, about wealth creation, about much you know products with marginal cost of distribution. What does any of that mean? That's not part of the education system because you know um, people are more concerned with essentially replicating the knowledge that people had like 10 years ago for whatever reason and thinking that it's like relevant to the world we live in yeah which is ridiculous you know what i'm saying yeah Yeah, so um, yeah so the current max era is just about um understanding those sources of leverage trying to um boost my skills uh boost my knowledge there's a lot of education um that I'm that I'm mostly pursuing by myself in this current era, trying to uh, those building blocks. Um, I also um, currently <laughs> running uh, my first like startup, and um, that's also part of the first you know Max era is just trying to be courageous, as I said, and bold, and try to. Um, do something that I've always wanted to do and I think that I'd be good at. So um, just because uh, I started in medicine, I don't know, I guess I I was really attracted to the health space and the tech space. So I was um, trying to find a way to, um, you know, fix what I thought was a broken system in, in terms of how we approach healthcare, um, especially in Africa and in Kenya, how can we essentially get the best value of health for the lowest cost? So that's really the problem I'm trying to um, tackle right now. And I think that it could it could 
create a lot of value for a lot of people. I do understand there's a lot of risks involved because entrepreneurship and there's certain things that I know about the industry that just make it like ridiculously risky, <laughs> especially yeah. if anyone knows. Uh, like if anyone knows um, anything about this is if you're doing any a product that's for consumers, it becomes like a billion times harder to make. Like Google's a consumer product, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, those are consumer products. And they set a ridiculously high bar if you're trying to, you're trying to break into that space. But they do, uh, I really do believe that... Um, a lot of value can be created for people um, via what I'm trying to do right now in the health space. And uh, yeah, so current max era is, you know, learning all these things, trying to maximize my leverage, um, entrepreneurship through that, um, you know, trying to sort of uh, break down the health space um, in Africa and you know, trying to come up with an innovative solution to to that, and yeah, just you know, compounding my skills, learning things, meeting people. Uh, that's essentially the max error right now. And obviously, you know, like I still do all the stuff I do, like on the side, bro. Yeah, <laughs> like I still write songs. I still, you know, I love art. I'm heavy in art, but those are just like hobbies on the side, and they're still meaningful to me. But you know, as hobbies. Yeah. Uh, you need to come back to film. I don't know why you've sort of the film, but just to give a dream on what you've said, I think you've spoken a lot of wisdom. Again, with even the wealth thing, I was just talking to someone the other day how, for again, for us, wealth is changing on vis-a-vis what it was for the past generation, where you see our folks would buy land and whatnot. But for us, land necessarily isn't the wealth we're looking for. Because you can mm-hmm. imagine someone can want to buy land in somewhere like, let's say, I don't know if Isinia is the right example, but let's say in Isinia, where you just you just told that land always appreciates in value and you need to get land. That's what you're told. But mm-hmm. for ground, you can buy land in this Isinia place where it will never appreciate. No one will ever want to buy whatever this land of yours because it's probably in a semi-arid place where you won't, you know, make the most out of it. Where as you could use mm-hmm. that money to leverage it in somewhere else. And now again with leverage, I to ask you about Mr. Beast again. Because also just uh, following him and just seeing how he does his stuff and how, as you said, he's one of, he's, I would I'd, I'd probably even classify him as the 1%. Because again, even with his channels, you can see he's done his channels, he has multiple channels, all in different languages. Meaning, and like Billy, who's stopping into an audience that's only English. So if Billy was to go as big as, you know, let's say Joe Rogan, there's only mm-hmm. a certain. Um, demographic that Billy can reach, which is English speakers. But for Mr. Beast, he has a channel in Spanish, he has a channel, you know, in various languages where he's tapping into all these different audiences, having the same content, but all these audiences are getting to listen to him. So you said, Mr. Beast is a genius, but do you think that he's the 1%? Do you think that all it is possible for a couple of us to reach Mr. Beast level? Again, with that, do you think, so is it important, again, so is it important for us to strive, even though we can't per se reach, let's say we quote-unquote can't reach, is it important for us to strive to reach there? Or someone was arguing that a lot of times we compare ourselves with the 1%, and so when we don't reach where this 1% is, we end up feeling very inadequate. So he's just giving an example of us comparing ourselves to, in school you'll be told about Jeff Bezos, you'll be told about Warren Buffett, you'll be told about <laughs> all these 1%ers. 
literally mm. in terms of wealth so you'll always compare yourself with these people yet uh, your circumstances and institutions are very different and it'll be very hard it's possible definitely to break and be the one percent but the mm. likelihood of you being this one percent is 0.0000 something right so yeah. do you think that us comparing ourselves to the one percent again now this is another question is more beneficial to help us be as ambitious and so it's a case of if we don't land on the moon we fall on the stars or is it more detrimental mm. where we'll always feel like we're inadequate because we basically is a case of chasing the wind okay um so first of all on the land thing just because you know i also know my decent amount of, about investment so on land i would say that land generally speaking especially in africa is for the foreseeable future not this is not investment advice i'm not a professional but <laughs> land according to me personally i think that and this is part of the reason my theory that of why bill gates is becoming you know or has become like the biggest farmland owner in the states is that land is something you know like everything is dictated by supply and demand right so mm-hmm. um land is in limited supply always right so um even if the demand isn't going up now it probably can be speculated that it will go up in the future so it depends on how long you're willing to wait though and hold on to that land to see yeah. when it might be like valuable but chances are it will appreciate that's what i'm saying personally but mm-hmm. as you said as for youth we have limited capital so is it the that's a different question but is it the best speculative asset to invest in uh at our level or is it stocks is it bonds is it precious metals is it mm. you know yeah but for me i don't yeah. think it's any of those things i think it's actually starting a business and entrepreneurship if it's limited which you want to exponentially grow back to conversation that's a different conversation um uh-huh. but uh after that the question you asked is it more beneficial to be more ambitious it is definitely more beneficial to be more ambitious because first of all these people they they didn't even know that they would get to those levels you understand what i'm saying like so it, that's uh-huh. that's 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 a level of dedication that most aren't also they don't have See, most give up even before yeah. they give themselves the chance to try because they're just like ah like you know that maybe like the circumstances aren't you know in my favor or like things you know it's probably like the 1% who get it the 1% that even believe they could get it first of all you know what i'm saying so like yeah. give yourself the chance give yourself the chance to try go big or go home and fail if you fail mm. you've tried that's what i always say you know what i'm saying so yeah. that's what i'd say on that and what i'd say uh comparisons with um with people like buffett bezos i would say that um success is is relative i think we've talked about this before but it's relative in the sense that what's your definition of success um mm-hmm. not everyone can probably reach levels like Bezos or Buffett and that's perf- that's that's partly because um even the generation that they were born in 
was very you see what i'm saying like as far yeah. as opportunity and the potential you know reward from you know actually gr- being on your grind in that generation which is the boomers the boomers have 70% of the wealth in the states is owned by the baby boomers that's one generation you see what i'm saying in our that's generation that's wild uh-huh yes the, the our generation has massively in fact like you know like economically speaking there's there's uh, economists who are studying and saying who have done studies and have said that um potentially our generation might be poorer than our parents generation <laughs> you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a scary thing uh cuz that's like the first time in probably like history in a very long time that that might be the case you see what i'm saying so there's yeah. a lot of factors outside our control like the when you were born the you know certain economic things that were happening around you if you were probably starting your business when the internet was just blossoming you know like imagine yeah. when it was just blossoming like someone like bezos right he started amazon when the internet was so like new that he could just like start this bookstore and you know everyone loves that story side with the bookstore and he grew it into the largest you know e-commerce site or you know in the on the planet um but now if you're trying to do if you're trying to replicate that you're going to fail like <laughs> you're going to fail and that's just part yeah. of it like it's it's just like it's being intelligent enough to understand the dynamics of different times different markets different things that create these trends uh, and these super cycles and i think uh, as an entrepreneur someone who wants to like be relevant and be wealthy and create value is just to um understand what what's what's currently happening in 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 the world right now and what's happening next so what am i willing to bet on next as a thing that may um create massive value for people and for entrepreneurs and the economy as a whole in the future so um just to answer your question is like yeah so it's just the best thing you can do is to understand yourself understand the future understand the markets and just invest in yourself invest in knowledge invest in knowledge that's what i would say and have your own definition of success maybe you don't want to have 100 billion dollars like mark zuckerberg had like 100 billion dollars like a few like 2 years ago or something uh he was the top 10 richest now meta has fallen 70% he's like i don't even know what number he is now but he's definitely not even in the top 20 you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. if he defines success by okay i have to be in the top 10% i mean the top uh, 10 richest people of the world maybe he'd be depressed right now you know what i'm saying yeah but we mm-hmm. know his mental state but what his definition of his definition of success might be an entirely different thing it could be uh defined by whatever mission you have uh whatever impact you want to make you know it could be defined by a myriad number of things it, it doesn't have to be uh financial yeah but you know it, mm. even if it's financial it doesn't have to be like 100 billion you could be like okay let me make 1 billion 100 million let me 
just make enough to you know have my family to be you know um safe and secure and just secure the future of them and i don't really even want to have like 100 million or a billion because that's like the grind you have to be to be on that is insane like someone yeah. like mark Zuckerberg, people are like they're always like you know envying him and they're like oh my goodness he made like a hundred billion dollars look how young he is this man has worked non-stop since he was 18. you know yeah yeah Maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to start your business when you're 30 and you still make it, maybe you'll make a billion when you're 45 or 40. Uh, But the point is, um, you know, you do it, it doesn't have to be that level. Like, just do what you do, have a definition of success, be happy with what you can um, provide into the world, and just do your best. That's it. Yeah. And even a lot of times when we talk about, we try to demonize the one percent and say it was luck. You know, all these arguments. We often forget the grit this poor have. As you've said, Mark Zuckerberg has been grinding since he was eighteen. How many of us are willing to give that sacrifice? And you know, in a generation where we're told romanticize your life, live your best days, say your youth years, mm. how many of us are willing to spend hours on end doing such mm. things? How many of us, as you said, as Mister B, how many of us are willing to spend on a call from for more than? Uh, 12 hours trying to figure out and trying to study algorithms what's the best way to do this because you said mr yeah. beast is very particular Meticulous. his thumbnails yeah. he's literally everything he's calculated he's not just waking up and deciding okay this something looks yeah. interesting this you know so how many of us are willing to put in that grit and again as you said the patience how many of us are willing to wait it out to and i think that a, a lot of us struggle that patient aspect where mm. Like even back to the land scenario where you land might appreciate in the next uh, thirty years, but yeah. are you willing to spend five million to buy that land and wait for the next thirty years so you yeah. get probably double or triple that, or are yeah. you willing to start a business with the five million and probably earn that money as yeah. soon as again? How many of us are willing to wait? You know, especially in our generation, the mic as they call us the micro generation, where a lot of us get depressed and enter this comparison days where. We see a lot of our peers succeeding and we compare ourselves saying we are literally in the same situations. Why why am I not succeeding yet? Uh, you don't know the circumstances that are making this person succeed, right? The environment yeah. and all this. These so, conditions also you control. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And those are things we don't factor in. You know, yeah. like physics always says you are keeping every factor constant. I think that's something we always go with in life instead of realizing life is not a physics experiment that is theoretical where you keep everything constant and you know are you, that, and that's why even I love how you've always talked in the podcast telling people that my path, I won't give you advice and don't follow my advice based on my path because the things that have worked for me might not necessarily work for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know obviously for us we can go hours on end and even so now I want us to wind up, then we can always do something else but then I want to ask you again um mm-hmm. How do you know when to stop digging the hole? So a lot of us probably live in uh, or have I don't know if you'd call it ambition, but we no. love to think that things will get better. So we can we can always use my example as well. So we can use Billy. Billy is doing a podcast. Billy is now in episode ninety nine, and yeah. you know 
it's been this is now close we're ending two years into podcasting but yeah. of course obviously there's a question of does podcasting make financial sense for you billy you know like you're spending hours editing and recording podcast yeah. which should make financial sense so remove yourself from your parents house remove yourself from the privileges that are accorded you right now so billy yeah. if you're living alone and taking marrying this podcast would you be able to pay for your wi-fi would you be able to you know reach out to these guests and etc etc right yeah. so obviously at the moment i'm definitely leveraging on my privileges and whatnot but at some point even my dad would tell me this thing has to make financial and economical yeah. sense for you yeah. right and even when I was doing the whole charity thing, that's the same question. Does this thing in the long run make financial sense for you? Like, I remember we sponsored three kids earlier in the year, but you know now, for for programs that sponsor, you'll see it's equity, it's safari commits, because these are companies that are making millions, almost billions in revenue and turnovers that can afford to do this. But Billy, can you afford to do this? And if uh, sponsorships are with, to be pulled out, if these companies wanting to sponsor you, would you be able to do this? So the question now is like, when do you know to stop living in the, I don't know why I call it optimal delusion, but just when do you know when to stop digging the hole? You know? That's a good question. I actually really like the question, but this is the thing. Hope is intoxicating. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? People mm-hmm. generally in life, um hope is something that we <laughs> we tend to have um you know as human beings it, it it comes down to a very fundamental psychological attribute that human beings have that we are, we tend to be optimistic about the future hopeful about the future uh secondly um there's this analogy i like to i like to use is that um there's this story that's told it's like an old story uh there's this guy it's like a myth though it's not like (laughs) but it's a a guy who um he was essentially he was in a dream state right so he was in a dream state and he committed a lot of murders within the dream state right um and when he woke up he could either believe that he's like committed all these things or like double down and like st- with stay within that dream state forever you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. it's like it's, it becomes this thing where when you have a lot of sunk cost into something it becomes harder to look at it objectively yeah relationships that are you know then why why are people in abusive relationships after like doing like you know if you've invested like 10 years 20 years into this that's so ingratiated into your identity you know what i'm saying yeah um, if you're running a business for that amount of time and it's not even working you know it's it's become this thing where you've invested so much money into it so much time you've tried so hard that you you need to believe that it can work otherwise for your own you know preservation of your own ego at sometimes you just have to keep you have to be objective about it and just be like this is me uh this this is an and this is like my ego speaking now you know what i'm saying it's not objectively um <laughs> um you know like beneficial to keep running this like at what point is this um you know like just ego or 
not just ego, there's probably other factors um, that might contribute to you staying within the hole and keep digging the hole. But um, ego can be one, but another thing is also passion. If you're passionate about something, right? If you're truly mm-hmm. passionate about um, you can really believe that your passion matters when it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> in reality. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The thing is, this is what I truly believe, and I'm going to like just say a very short um, personal story just on this. It's that you have to be you have to understand that the world that you live in isn't yours you see mm-hmm. there's 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 certain things that you can do certain things that you can control certain things you can't control so um what you're willing to do and what you love to do has to be also valuable or valued by other people to a certain extent to make sense as a thing you should invest in going forward. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. so, exactly. Uh-huh. Yes. So in those terms, what you need to do is you need to understand that however passionate you are, there's a world you live in. And the world yes. has to, it has a transactional um sort of relationship with you so you have to like the world has to value what you're doing as well to a certain degree to justify you doing it yes you see what i'm saying and yes. continually trying on it because there's people who've done like albums music wise they've probably done like 30 albums <laughs> and they're probably like no one cares you know what i'm saying yeah but there's someone who's done like maybe like two albums three albums and they're legends frank ocean you see what I'm saying? I had to do yeah. name drop my boy. Please drop an album. But, um, <laughs> uh-huh. but what I'm saying, also my personal experience on this, is it's nuanced. It's a very loaded question. It's very nuanced. I'm saying that you still need hope. You still need passion. I'm not saying that you don't need those things. But you also need a certain level of objectivity mm. that comes from understanding all those factors I've talked about. Yeah, and when I'm and what I'm saying personally with my own story with something like film, which I do love still, I love film, I love, um, I do think that I'm quite like decently good at it. I think I could be better if I invested more time. Um, I have a proclivity for it for sure, but part of the reason I'm not pursuing that as my main thing right now is because. I did like this is actually one of the uh, when I'm talking about the best story of my entrepreneurship, especially after medicine, trying to find um, my own path was I went really deep into film, just trying to understand something that I like because I always felt like I'd done stuff like I didn't really enjoy. It's just that like stuff that was available to me. So for the first time in my life, I wanted to do something that I like and I enjoy and just try to go all in on it. Right. So I, I I did film for a while, and the thing about film was I actually I spent like three months. Right, I spent I did a couple of short films. You guys can check them out on my socials. But um, after that, I spent a lot of time understanding the industry, understanding the industry as a whole, and in and in Africa in particular, understanding the market. What what makes this a viable decision for me. Like if I do invest in this, 
does it make sense to pursue it or is it largely kind of futile is it flogging a dead horse for a passion or this idea yeah. of passion that you have? and after thinking about it i said okay i understand enough about um the whole industry to know that it is probably not in line with my goals um especially financially speaking it it the thing about it is that you you don't have a lot of control within it like you have to depend on netflix or you know hbo or whatever it is like you don't have you don't own the platform you see so the fact that you don't own the platform means you're just competing with like an infinite number of people in an industry where the barriers to entry are very high because um, you're battling for people's attention with people who have hundreds of millions to spend on marketing and on development of films. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it's a hard thing to be objective like that. And probably some people who listen to this are filmmakers. I'm not discouraging you. But I'm saying that for me, investment-wise, that didn't make sense. Because I tend to be very pragmatic about my decisions, Right. So um, that's why I said I still love it and I'll still do it, but I won't do it now. You see, I uh, want I do I, within film. I feel like I would be forced to be um, a cog in the machine, but I wanted to have a vehicle where I would actually own a part of the machine or have equity in the machine or own the machine that can actually create value and uh, both in the world and for me over time. And so I just had to be very objective about that. But basically from that personal story, and uh, it's something that is still developing obviously, because as I do my first startup, I'm also in my own uh, field of doubt as to, you know, is this the best industry? Is this the best space? What's the future like? Do I really want to invest like 10 years? Because, you know, startups are 10-year overnight successes. Um, but um, is this something I'm willing to invest like 10 years into and something I'm willing to bet um, bet, bet in? And, yeah, so it becomes this thing where you have to really, really have the knowledge uh, and self-awareness and humility to be like, okay, this might not work, you see, mm-hmm. and just have the courage to be like, you know, disengage yourself from it and allow yourself to, at that critical moment, when you actually understand enough about the industry, because obviously you need to dip your toe in, into the water or like actually dive into no for sure. But at some point, if you've, you've um, done some diving, you've done some swimming and you're still not like floating, it's probably time to, 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 to mm-hmm. cash out. Yeah. 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 I think uh that's very insightful because again, as you said, we don't live in a vacuum. So if the society around you don't appreciate what you're doing, then obviously it's probably yeah. vanity. Like if it doesn't amount to anything, it doesn't matter how well you do it. Yeah. You may do it, you can like I can be the best podcaster, but if the society is not appreciating that, then there's no ROI at the end of the day, you know. So yeah. I think, as you said, again, just uh, having to, for a lot of people, I think it's 
learning to try to find the balance between that and trying to just be consistent to the point where you know that you know you we want you we we've all seen that image for the person who's digging in the query and the one person who gives up when he has just one more hit to get to the gold and a lot of people cling on to that image and just say what if tomorrow is the day i hit the gold but for sometimes sometimes you might not never get to that gold or really you're just digging the wrong place right so I just think the listeners should tweet at us at the Bushan Pod, follow us on the good, the bad, and the Bushan, and tell us all the things they've loved about this episode. I've personally really enjoyed this episode. I think even as we're hitting our 100th episode, I love um, recording this episode with my closest friends. I think, I keep on telling you guys that even before recording this episode, I was very skeptical about recording episodes with my friends because my friends are poor, I know. So I'm always feeling like, wow, what if you get, like, it's very hard to ask you know how in that episode i can just ask questions freely but with the friends mm. you know you know a lot about them so it's always like okay like what questions can i ask what can't i ask but clearly i think i enjoyed this i need to do more episodes with you guys even for my future because i feel like i'm enjoying them more so yeah. have a lovely weekend <laughs> folks and cheers <laughs>